Okay, welcome to HealthSpan, where I discuss health and fitness-related topics. In this episode, I will be discussing part one of David Sinclair's lifespan, why we age and why we don't have to. So David Sinclair is the leading expert in the field of aging, and he is a professor and researcher at Harvard. And in his book, he discusses his information theory of aging and discusses what we know, what we're learning, and where we're going. So before I begin, if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to leave a review. And secondly, if there's any book that you want me to discuss and review, make sure to send me a DM and I will definitely review it. So David Sinclair kind of begins this book by talking about what we know. So when we're talking about aging and all the suffering that comes with aging, what we need really is this unified explanation of why we age. So not just an evolutionary level, but at the fundamental level as well. So for decades and decades, we've tried to figure out the question of what actually is causing us to age. And he goes through here some of the hypotheses about why, we, why we're aging. So one hypothesis, hypothesis proposed independently by Peter Medawar and Leo Zillard was that aging is caused by DNA damage and also resulting loss of genetic information. And a second hypothesis that he discusses was by a British biologist, Leslie Orgel, who decided to introduce his hypothesis of air catastrophe, which kind of postulated that mistakes made during DNA copying process led to mutations in genes. And a little bit later, we, he discusses another, another uh, chemist as well, who talks about uh, the, the free radical theory of aging. So this man, Denham Harmon, who was a chemist at Shell Oil, he came up with this free radical theory of aging. So I'm sure you're familiar with antioxidants and free radicals. So this guy blames aging on unpaired electrons that go around our cells and cause DNA damage via oxidation, especially in our mitochondria. So we know this 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 antioxidant and free radical theory is huge, uh, still is. It's It's like a 3 billion global industry right now. All these products being sold as antioxidants, but... Uh, time and time again, this free radical theory of aging has been disproven. And we know this is not really the cause of aging. So before we look at the solution of aging, we need to look at all the hallmarks of aging. So he puts here in this more nuanced view, aging and the disease that comes with it are the result of multiple quote unquote hallmarks of aging. So these are the hallmarks that he discusses. Genomic instability caused by DNA damage. Attrition of the protective chromosome end caps, which is the telomeres. Alteration to the epigenome that controls which genes are turned on and off. Loss of healthy protein maintenance, known as proteostasis. Deregulation nutrient sensing caused by metabolic changes. Mitochondrial dysfunction. Accumulation of senescent zombie-like cells that inflame healthy cells. Exhaustion of stem cells. And finally, altered intracellular communication and the production of inflammatory molecules. So these are all the hallmarks of aging. And researchers began to cautiously agree that once we address all these hallmarks, we can finally slow down aging. So we've established a list of hallmarks. And once we address these, we're going to be solving this aging. And we know finding a universal explanation for anything is extremely complicated, especially, you know, the, the topic of aging. And this doesn't really happen overnight. So David Sinclair kind of believes that there is such a, a such a thing as a single cause of aging. And on page 20, he gives this whole this whole book is summarized into one sing- single sentence. So, he states here that 
Yet I believe that such an answer exists, a cause of aging that exists upstream of all the hallmarks. Yes, a singular reason why we age. Again, er, sorry, aging, quite simply, is a loss of information. So this is his information theory of aging. And this whole book can be summarized into that one sentence. Aging, quite simply, is a loss of information. Now, I mentioned earlier this Zillard and Metawar kind of uh, explained this loss of information. This was a big part of their idea. But it was wrong because it focused on a loss of genetic information. So when we're talking about quote-unquote information, there's really two types of information in biology. So one of them is digital and the other one is analog. So when we're talking about digital information, this is like these finite set of finite set of possible values values so if you think of uh, our dna this set of values he's talking about is our a's t's c's and g's of dna so these are the nucleotides that make up dna and we know that because dna is digital it's a reliable way to store and copy information so this is the digital part of information and as far as the analog part this is the so today analog information is more commonly referred to as epigenome, meaning traits that are heritable that aren't transmitted by genetic means. So he talks a lot about epigenetics, and I'm going to be discussing what exactly that is. So the term epigenetics was first coined back in 1942 by this man named Conrad H. Waddingham, who was a British developmental biologist. And he sort of describes this as, in the same way that genetic information is stored as DNA, Epigenetics information is stored in a structure called chromatin. So if you think of our, our DNA, like think of Watson and Crick's DNA model, uh, we know that this DNA isn't just like flailing around disorganized. It's actually tightly wrapped in tiny balls of protein called histone. So our DNA and our, chrom- and our chromatin is, is well packed and uh, all this genetic information is, is, you know, nicely tucked in and not just, you know, as he puts it, flailing around. So he puts it here that if the genome were a computer, the epigenome would be the software of, of that computer. So more specifically, it's instructing the newly divided cells on what type of cells they should be and what they should remain sometimes for decades, as in the case of individual brain neurons and also certain immune cells. So we know there's actually a lot of disadvantages of this analog information. Uh, for example, unlike digital information, analog information actually degrades over time. And it falls victim to certain things like oxygen, cosmic rays, gravity, and magnetic fields. And worst of all, this information is lost as it gets copied. So we're losing this this analog information. So he puts it here that, Don't be disheartened by my claim that we are the biological equivalent of an old DVD player. This is actually good news. So, but uh, he, he, And he further continues, But we can usually recover information from a scratched DVD. And if I am right, the same kind of process is what it will take to reverse aging. So essentially, what's going on here is that our DVDs are scratched and the information uh, cannot essentially be processed. And he goes on to continue to state that to become young again, we just need to find some polish to remove the scratches. This, I believe, is possible. So he uses this analogy of a scratched DVD that basically if we if we can... Get, get rid of these scratches and polish it, we can essentially become young again. That is, that is his DVD analogy that we're using for aging. 
So moving a little forward, we start talking about genes and we know that there's about 25 to 30,000 genes, give or take. And mammals, for instance, don't just have a couple of genes that create this survival circuit. There's actually been a lot of genes established uh, when it comes to longevity. So a lot of these longevity genes can also be known as vitality genes because they don't just make our lives longer, but they also make it make us healthier as well. So there's a lot of genes that he goes into. And the one David Sinclair is most famous for is his sirtuins. So if you know anything about David Sinclair, he loves sirtuins, he loves res- resveratrol, and this is kind of like his niche topic. So he puts here the longevity genes that I work on are called sirtuins, named after the yeast sirtu gene, the first one to be discovered. And there are seven sirtu genes, so sirt1 through sirt7, and they all, they're almost in every single cell in our body, and they have a, a wide range of functions. So he puts here that sirtuins are enzymes that remove acetyl tags from histones and other proteins, and by doing so, change the packaging of the DNA, turning genes on and off when needed. So I'm going to explain a little bit later about what sirtuins actually are and how they work. And we also later find out that for sirtuins to work, they need NAD. So we get into the NAD and sirtuins a little bit later. And he puts here that what they actually do is trading reproduction for repair. Their sirtuins order our bodies to buckle down in times of stress and protect us against the major diseases of aging, diabetes and heart disease, Alzheimer's disease, osteoporosis, and even cancer. They mute the chronic overactive inflammation that drives diseases such as atherosclerosis, metabolic disease, ulcerative colitis, arthritis, and asthma. And they prevent the cell death and boost mitochondria, which are the power packs of the cell. They go to battle with muscle wasting, osteoporosis, and macular degeneration. In studies on mice, advocating activating the sirtuins can improve DNA repair, boost memory, increase exercise endurance, and help mice stay thin regardless of what they eat. And uh, so th- these, this is the power of sirtuins, and essentially this is uh, these protectors of our, of, our, of our DNA. And this is one of the longevity genes and enzymes that he's discussing. And a little bit later, we discuss two other powerful signals that are, in, are involved in, in longevity and aging. The first one is called mTOR, or mammalian target of rapamycin. And mTOR is a signal in our, in our body that gets turned on when there are essential, essential like nutrients or insulin or any of these signals like amino acids. Whenever there's these signals on, mTOR gets activated and it, and it tells our cell to kind of grow and, and divide. So this has been passed down for, you know, thousands and thousands of years, this mTOR pathway. And mTOR, he puts here, is a master driver of cell growth. It senses the amount of amino acids that is available and dictates how much protein is created in response. So it's essentially this nutrient sensing mechanism where it tells our cells to grow. And then there's another metabolic pathway that kind of antagonizes mTOR, and this pathway is called AMP kinase. And if you listened to my earlier podcast, you've heard me talk about AMP kinase. This is actually the mechanism by which metformin works. And we know that AMP kinase gets turned on when there's low energy levels and when we're calorically restricted, and it has a bunch of positive benefits like uh, fatty acid oxid, increasing fatty acid oxidation, increasing, um, you know, so, some other important stuff that keeps us healthy, like autophagy, 
and uh, it, it also decreases uh, insulin. So there's a bunch of positive things that amkinase actually does. And the important point here is that uh, these signals, these are these defense sy- systems are all activated in response to some sort of like stress in our body. So the important point is that there are plenty of stressors that will activate longevity genes without damaging the cell. So including certain types of exercise, fasting, low, pro- low protein diets, exposure to hot and cold temperatures, these are all stressors that are actually good for us. So this is where the, the term hormesis comes from. So you may have heard the ter- term hormesis and you may have heard the saying, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Well, it also turns out that what doesn't kill you also makes you live longer. So this is the essential of essentials of hormesis. And it's generally good for organisms. So when hormesis, ha- hormesis happens, all is well for the cell. And in fact, all is better than well for the cell. Because the little st- bit of stress that occurs when the genes are activated prompts the rest of the systems to hunker down, to conserve, to survive a little longer. That's the start of longevity. So that is hormesis. And we can activate this hormesis in various ways like sauna use, uh, cold showers, intermittent fasting, exercise, etc. And that's essentially what happens in, in part or chapter one of, lung, of uh, lifespan. And moving forward, we're talking about uh, the, these genes for aging. So in 2003, uh, in April 15, 2003, these newspapers, television programs, and websites around the world carried the story that the mapping of the human genome was complete. So this is actually not true. There was a lot of shorter genes that this human genome missed, and it's essentially missing a lot of genes. Um, And even once we've completed this code of genes fully, this human genome, there's something that we're actually not going to be able to find in these genes. And what we won't be able to find are, we won't be able to find an aging gene. So we found genes that impact the symptoms of aging, and we found longevity genes that control the body's defenses against aging. But we're not going to be able to find a single gene that is actually causing aging. And we never will because our genes didn't evolve to cause aging. So this is a, one of the things Davis Sinclair is hypothesizing again is that there's no, there's no single gene that is causing aging, but there's a lot of genes that are helping us live longer. So moving a little forward in his yeast of Eden section, he goes into, I, I need to discuss this because he talks about the background of how this all started. So believe it or not, this all started back in 1992 when he was in his early 20s and he attended this yeast conference and he goes, yes, there is such a thing. So he attended this yeast conference in Vienna and he was accompanied by his two PhD supervisors, Professor Ian Dawes and another professor, Richard Dickinson. So it was him and his his two professors attending this yeast conference. And after this conference was going on, uh, he spoke with this man named Leonard Garenti. So Leonard Garenti was, uh, perf- you know, this researcher at MIT, and he was one of the top scientists in the field of yeast and aging. So what Lenny Garenti did was, after the conference, he flew to Sydney to meet on the holidays to meet with Ian Dawes, who again was a PhD supervisor of David Sinclair. And Garenti and David Sinclair kind of hit it off, 
and started discussing things at the table. And they kind of like realized that Garinti and him agreed on one thing, which was if you couldn't solve the problem of aging in yeast, they had no chance in humans. So both of them are tackling aging in yeast first and hopefully they can have some positive results that can translate to humans. So at that time of his arrival, he was currently working on this certain syndrome called Werner syndrome. So Werner syndrome is this awful disease that affects one in a hundred thousand live births. And some of the symptoms of Werner syndrome are loss of body strength, wrinkles, gray hair, loss of, um, you know, loss of hair, cataracts, osteoporosis, heart problems, and also other telltale signs of aging. So a lot of these folks were dying in their 30s and 40s. And David Sinclair was seeing this premature aging in these in these people with Werner syndrome. And he thought that if we can tackle, if I can study and tackle this, then we can kind of see like what's what's going on. And in yeast, the equivalent of this WRN gene, which is the Werner gene, the equivalent of that is called the slow growth suppressor one or SGS one. So both the Werner gene and also this slow growth suppressor, they encode this DNA helicase. So whenever DNA is replicating, its strands have to separate first so that it can later base pair with new with these new strands. And this helicase is one of the main things that is unzipping this DNA strands. And not only does it have that job, but it's also involved in repair as well. So the Werner gene and this SGS1 gene are mutated, and this helicase is not working, and it's essentially creating a lot of mutations and problems during reputation of these of this DNA. So that's why these people with Werner syndrome are dying in their 30s and 40s because they have this problem with their helicase gene. And when you look at the nucleolus, which is uh, this smaller part in our cells that make RNA, in the aged SGS1 cells, the nucleolus looked as if it had exploded. So instead of a single red crescent swimming in a blue ocean, the nucleolus was scattered into half a dozen small islands. So we see that when this SGS1 cell was was mutated and inserted uh, into these yeast, you look at the nucleolus and it, it looked like it had actually exploded. So there's something going on here. And later on, what, what he saw in his lab was that he was looking at the SIR2 genes and we're looking at the SIR2 gene and in the cell it actually had moved away from genes involved in mating and that controlled fertility and it moved into the nucleolus. So this SIR2 gene is moving from one place and going to the nucleolus where there was damage. So he's kind of like slowly getting there and he states that after a long night in the lab he had woken up with this idea so he was kind of stumbling and trying to think of this idea. And it kind of came to him at that night where broken DNA causes genomic instability, he wrote, which distracts the SIR2 protein, which changes the epigenome, causing the cells to lose their identity and become sterile while they fix the damage. Those were the analog scratches on the digital DVD. Epigenetic changes cause aging. So this is this is the statement and this is the what he's what he's working on and what he's seeing so it was that night where it kind of all came together so the next morning he decided to go to Garenti and Garenti stated that he liked it and he says go prove it so 
he he kind of dedicated his life to the sir2 proteins and seeing if that this is if we can activate these sir2 proteins and these sirtuins and it can fix this epigenetic problems that are causing aging uh, we can essentially live you know a lot longer and healthier lives so we're moving a little bit forward and one of the best ways to there's a lot of biology in this and he uses a piano analogy to explain genes epigenetics and also the genome so he states here that one of the best ways to visualize this is to think of a genome as a grand piano so you want to think of a grand piano and each gene is a key and you know each key produces a note so this note i'm assuming is a protein because genes they encode proteins and from instrument to instrument depending on the on the maker the materials and the circumstances of manufacturing each will sound a little bit different even if played the exact same way so this is pretty much, you know, this is our our genes. Like 99% of our genes are pretty much the same. It's really the way it's being expressed that's the that's the difference. So with going on with this piano analogy, we know that the pianist that makes this happen is the the epigenome. So the pianist is this epigenome and through a process of revealing our DNA or bundling it up in tight protein packages and by Marking genes with chemical tags like methyl groups and acetyl groups, which are composed of carbons, oxygens, and hydrogens, the epigenome uses our the epigenome uses our genome to make the music of our lives. So, I know this is a lot of science, uh, but he breaks it down into sim- into simpler words about um, epigenetics a little bit later and what's going on with all these methyls and acetyl groups and the euchromatin heterochromatin of how it's opening, closing, and being expressed. Uh, we're going to get into that later, so don't worry if you don't understand it right now. So you want to think of this piano, and there's a recital going on. So think of this pianist playing this perfect music in a concert hall, and a few minutes into a piece, the pianist misses a key. So the first time this happens, it's actually pretty much unnoticeable. Maybe he adds an extra letter that shouldn't be in there, or maybe he just misses you know, a few a few notes. And... This again is the analogy of like what's actually going on in our cell. So all these flawless chords are beginning to get get messed up when the piano when the pianist is playing this piano. And he states that epigenetic noise causes the same kind of chaos. So it is driven in large part by this highly disruptive insults to the cell like broken DNA for example. These are insults to the to the cell and this is causing this uh, epigenetic noise that is going on. And according to his informational information theory of aging, this is why we're aging. This is why we're getting gray hairs. This is why we're getting wrinkles. This is why our joints ache when we get older. And moreover, it's why each of the hallmarks of aging occurs from stem cell exhaustion and cellular senescence to mitochondrial dysfunction and rapid telomere shortening. So there's essentially noise, epigenetic noise that's going on, and it's not allowing our cells to you know process the dna as it should and this is why we're aging so he's still working going forward he's still working on this warner mutants in the yeast and remember the the these ribosomal dna uh where the where these proteins are being made um we see that it's in a state of chaos so the genome was extremely fragmented and dna was recombining and amplifying and you see on the southern blot, 
which is an experiment to show DNA on a, on, and it's an experiment to show DNA. We saw a lot of these things called extrachromosomal ribosomal DNA circles or ERCs. And we saw that these ERCs were accumulating as the mutants aged. So they're working on this yeast and they're seeing high amounts of extrachromosomal ribosomal DNA circles that shouldn't be there. And what happens was one of his, one of Dr. David Sinclair's, his PhD students, what he did was he added one of these SIR2 genes into, into the cell. And these ERCs, these extrachromosomal ribosomal circles were prevented. And he saw that 30% incre- of, these, of these cells, they increased in the yeast cell's lifespan uh, as, he'd, as he'd hoped. So these SIR2, once the SIR2 gene was added, not only did these ERCs uh, disappear, but it actually increased the cell's lifespan by 30%. So we're really like getting somewhere. Like this was his eureka moment going on. So again, this is this is like a something closer to what what we're getting when it comes to when when it comes to aging. There's a there's sirtuins that are protecting our DNA, and they have so many different kinds of functions, and they're pretty ubiqu- ubiquitous in our cells. So this is kind of a uh, leading us a little a little farther into the book, where like moreover, he noticed that the yeast cells that were fed with lower amounts of sugar were not just living longer, but they're ribosomal DNA was exceptionally compact, significantly delaying the inevitable ERC accumulation, catastrophic number of DNA breaks, nucleolar explosions, and sterility and death. So this is kind of like a tease into what he's going to be talking about later. So first he noticed the sirtuin thing, and then he also noticed that yeast cells that were fed with lower amounts of sugar lived longer. So he kind of, he's kind of teasing us about what he's going to get into later, which is, of course, fasting and caloric restriction and how this can significantly ex- extend our lives. Uh, but I wanted to leave it off here. This is about halfway through part one. Now, part one is pretty long, so I wanted to divide divide part one into two parts. And uh, because there's a lot of good information here, and I didn't want to skip through it. So I'm going to end it here. This is part one, and I'm going to do a part one continued next episode. And this is, uh, again, Lifespan. Why We Age and Why We Don't Have To by David Sinclair. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast and learned something. And make sure to tune in next time for part one continued of Lifespan.